Well, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Events with Benefits, a podcast designed to help nonprofit organizations raise more money and achieve greater success at your next fundraising event. Now, my name is Danny Hooper. I'm a professional fundraising auctioneer based in Canada, and I'm down here in Southern California, Laguna Hills, at the world headquarters of Winspire. This is where we produce our podcast, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Renee Zhao uh, from Donation Match and uh, Ian Loth from Winspire. First of all, Renee, how are you feeling today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing excellent. We just had a very, I, I thought, exceptional guest on this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, this is sound is something that you don't always think about uh, when you're going to an event. You know, the as an event leader, I'm always thinking about the people coming and what they're going to see. But, you know, sound plays a very important part, as we'll hear. Well, you said that sound is something you don't think about. You certainly think about it when it's not good. And how many times have we been at an event where we can't hear what's going on, you know, up on the stage? And as a result, uh, it's more interesting to talk to the person you're sitting beside than to pay attention to what's going on on the stage. And that can be very costly. Ian. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, been been at this for several years now in terms of, you know, providing advice to nonprofits of, as far as best practices for their event fundraisers. And time and time again, no matter who I talk to, it's not just Danny Hooper, uh, every single auctioneer or anyone who has, you know, been through the ringer in terms of running these events uh, talks about sound and how important it is uh, that every single word is heard. And it's not just for the live auction, I'll be, although it is, right? It's important for that auctioneer uh, for people to hang on every single word, but also for the speakers, right? The people who are getting up and uh, really create, creating that emotional attachment with your audience and talking about the cause. It's crucial that no matter how loud the audience gets or, you know, the, how boisterous the room is that they can, they can be quieted down and, and they can be heard. So uh, you're going to hear today some really good advice from Keith, uh, Keith Fox. He's an uh, old music DJ turned auctioneer. So he has a tremendous amount of expertise, not only in producing sound, but also in doing it specifically for fundraising events. So uh, a great amount of knowledge that we're sharing here today. I can tell you this, nothing will kill your event faster than poor sounds. Let's find out right now how we can prevent that from happening as we join Keith Fox. He is the principal engineer at, <laughs> engineer, principal auctioneer at, well, he's a sound engineer. He is, he is an audio engineer, but he's principal auctioneer as well at Fox Fundraising and uh, Auctions, uh, just a great guy. Well, it's great to be talking to uh, an old friend uh, through the National Auctioneers Association and the Benefit Auctioneer Specialist uh, arm of the NAA, and that's uh, Keith Fox. Now, Keith is an awesome fundraising auctioneer. He's based up uh, in Northern California there, and uh, Keith, you're up in the North Bay area there, aren't you? Yeah, I'm more or less what's called out of the East Bay. I'm out in the, kind of the Contra Costa County, kind of the, kind of the hills out there is where I'm out. All right. Now, we're so excited to have you on the show today on, on this episode of Events with Benefits because you bring uh, a whole area of expertise that nobody has really uh, uh, deep-dived on uh, on our podcast, and that is this uh, the, this whole issue, this whole question of uh, production, both the audio and visual production. And you've got quite a background in in the world of uh, AV and as uh, you used to be an entertainer. Maybe just uh, start by sharing a little bit of your background and what gives you the expertise to uh, come on the podcast here and talk to us about uh, production. Wow. Well, I uh, started my – I was a DJ entertainer for, for years. I started in 1986 uh, as kind of, a, kind of a club DJ and kind of worked through the ranks of that. Uh, then began like mobile work and we did uh, a lot of high end weddings and corporate events and that kind of thing. So over the years I've, I've built, I've assembled, I've, uh, 
different sound systems for different venues. I, I used to be a consultant for JBL and Crown Amplifiers for nightclub installation and that kind of thing. So kind of a kind of a diverse background for me. So hopefully it's hopefully it's helpful to the listeners. Well, I'm as you are. I'm also a professional fundraising auctioneer, and I know that that nothing will destroy all the hard work of a nonprofit organization faster than poor sound production. And you and I have both been uh, victims, and, and I can use that word, of uh, showing up at an event to conduct the auction for these organizations who have worked tirelessly sometimes for uh, many, many months up to a year in advance of, uh, of event day. And um, they've spent money on absolutely everything from uh, centerpieces to uh, good catering and uh, worked hard to get their tickets sold. They've got the room full. Now you guys like you and I, we step on stage, we grab a microphone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we, we've had that it down, happen. Yeah. What what advice would you have for nonprofit organizations? On a, Let's start with this. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being not very important, 10 being absolutely critical, how important is it to have good sound? I'm going to go with 23 on that one. Yeah, I agree with you. Twenty three. So how do so how do we go about that? We're a nonprofit organization. We're built up primarily of, of, of volunteers. We're assuming here, and uh, we don't um, have experience with this. So where do, where do we begin to make sure that we're getting the right kind of sound? And we're going to talk in a few minutes about the different types of audio production. But how do we make sure we get it right for our event? Well, I think the biggest struggle I went into is a lot of these you know nonprofits. They kind of don't know what they don't know, and you don't find out what a difference it makes until after it's all done. And then it's like, oh, gee, yeah, we probably should have done that. So I, I would say that's probably, a, you know, the, the biggest struggle for me. I think a unique perspective and advantage that I have when I come in is I'm able to, to consult on sound. I'm able to speak intelligently about it because of my background. And I'm able to kind of help hopefully steer them in the right direction because I have examples of, hey, you know, what it means to have good sound and the difference it makes and the difference it makes to have bad sound, you know, and you know, speaker placement and all you know the ambiance of what it takes to to get you know good sound across where you're not killing people, but everyone can hear you kind of crystal clear and that kind of thing. And the equipment it needs to do that. A common mistake I know that uh, a lot of nonprofits—it's uh, a trap that a lot of nonprofits fall into—is the uh, is the venue and the venue. Uh, perhaps we're in a hotel ballroom, and the hotel says, "Oh no, we have a good sound system. We have speakers right. up in this. Yeah, we have speakers up in the ceiling. Take a look at them." And uh, the nonprofit right. looks up at the ceiling and goes, "Oh yeah, we're going to be good." And what do you have to say about hotel sound systems? The built-in hotel sound systems. Well, those are great for, you know, a 15-person PowerPoint presentation, but it, it should have the, you know, the, the power and the wattage and, you know, the, the sound spread to be able to, you know, cover, you know, a, a gala of 300, you know, busy, chatty people who are hooping and hollering and having a good time. And, and you want that element there because you, you need that excitement and that enthusiasm and that energy level in the room because that, of course, helps you, uh, helps you get those bits. But, I mean, I, you know, to me... The most important thing is just kind of being heard and, and explaining to the client in a way that they really kind of understand that, you know, hey, those are great for, you know, the PowerPoint presentations for those Fortune 500 companies that come in and have their annual shareholders meeting. It's a completely another where, you, you know, you've got to cover, you know, 300 people where the, you know, the decibel level, the volume level is already really, really high. So, you know, and we try to kind of come in and, and show them those examples and the difference that it makes to have, you know, the good sound and, and, and the good sound spread to that kind of thing. 
So if you're not going to use the hotel sound system with the built-in speakers up in the ceiling, what do we need? Well, that's kind of a loaded question because it, it depends on the crowd. It depends upon what we're doing. Uh, you know, minimum sound system requirements. I usually, you know, and I don't like, and, and I try to mind to get technical, but you basically want about one and a half watts of power per person in the room. So, I mean, you know, and, and you can never have too much. You really, really can't because you can always bring sound down, but it's really tough with it, with an inadequate system to bring it up because you're stressing it out, and it, and it shows, and the distortion and the sound, it, it's not capable of carrying through the room. So I, I, I think for that one is, you know, you want to have a, a good sound spread. You want to cover the front, the middle, and the, and, and the back of the room with, you know, decent speakers. You want to have, you know, above the head, people more or less going to be sitting down. You want to make sure that you have speakers up at least six feet because that way carry sound over people's heads and it is directly in their face. Is it easier for uh, an organization just to hire a production company or a sound company to come in and look after all of this as opposed to try and calculate the wattage per person or all of these calculations? Absolutely. And, and I think that that's always a good thing. I know that with what I do, we offer sound systems for up to 1,000 people, but after that, we try to steer them to a professional AV company that can come in and they have decibel meters, and they have all sorts of stuff that will measure the room and get the, the you know the best sound possible for it. But yeah, I, I recommend that. I mean, nine times out of ten, with with the bigger events that, that I do, I'm like, look, here's here's the number you need to call these people. You know, just you in the right direction, and they'll, they'll really take care of it. Because the amount you spend on sound is negligible compared to the return that you're going to get from because of the good sound. Well, I know I always say to my clients that, you know, hiring a, a professional sound company or, or AV company is not a cost. It's an investment. And as you and I both know, there's a big difference between a cost and an investment. Right. Um, so what are we looking at in terms of dollars? Or Now, I know it, it changes from market to market, but if we're just to look at this in broad strokes, uh, suppose we're an organization, we're having an event with 250, 300 people in the room. Uh, it's a banquet hall or it's a hotel ballroom. Uh, how much do we anticipate we're going to have to spend to get uh, not just the sound system in there, but I think it's absolutely critical, and I'm sure you agree to have an operator, uh, an AV tech in there. It, you know, it's one thing right. as you... As you and I both have experienced, you know, uh, they, they'll come in sometimes, they'll set up a little sound system, um, they'll show us how to turn it on and off, but there's nobody there to monitor it. And, of course, audio dynamics in right. a room change a lot when it's full of people, and as those that table chatter starts to get away on you in the evening and, and uh, the, the the crowd sound starts to pick up, the you know, you need somebody there monitoring and making adjustments on the fly, isn't that right? Absolutely. And I, you know, I, always, I always tell them that you're going to want to call them a board operator. You know, a, a tech that sits back there, constantly monitors the volume level. Sometimes you need to bring stuff up. You got background music. You got announcements. You, I mean, you're going to have maybe two, three, four, five microphones, wireless microphones going at one time. Because what you don't want to do is you, you want to avoid that. You know, that kind of handoff. You, you know, you've got one microphone between like six people, which never works out well. It's always kind of awkward. You want that smooth flow of the evening where you're not kind of wasting time on fumbling, looking for gear. And having a good sound tech there that can run the board and monitor those levels for you is is just—it's imperative. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not a cost; it's an investment. Because I mean, you 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 get that money back. I mean, you really do. And because I mean, it's not about the money you make; it's about the money that gets left in the room because you made a mistake. So that's kind of how we look at it. 
Now, we, I started to ask about cost, and I kind of got my, my, myself off that track. But uh, I know up in our market, you can get a, a small, a very effective system that will cover 250, 300 people with an operator for like $500 a night. What, uh, what has your experience been as you travel around the country? Well, you know, I, um, my experience, you know, here in Northern California has been, I mean, you know, there's clients that spend, you know, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars on sound systems. And there's clients, depending upon the sound coverage in the venue, that can spend, you know, two or, or three or, you know, four thousand dollars. But I, I would say a client can expect to spend anywhere between three and seven thousand dollars on a really good top notch with an operator and them setting the room up for you and everything else for something like that. Depending upon now, a lot of times you have the big screen set up and you've got to bring in, you know, projectors and other stuff like that. So that, of course, adds to the cost. But, but again, I mean, having a professional presentation, I mean, just makes all the difference in the world for, right. for the sound and the AV. Now we're gonna we're gonna share an idea with you to show you how you can get uh, uh, your audio production and your, your AV uh, effectively for no cost at all. And I'll turn the mic over to uh, my partner here, uh, Ian Loth, the vice president of marketing for Winspire. And and I know when you're talking in terms of uh, people taking consignment package, Winspire travel experiences for their auctions. You've got a great idea as to how they can get the travel packages at no cost. And and the same idea would be excellent here, Ian. Do you want to share that with us? Absolutely. And thanks again for joining us here today, Keith. Um, you know, you I, I love how we, you guys are talking about this in terms of investment because that's so much of what these aspects of, of running an event are, are, are investing money in things that are going to generate a return, right? More so than maybe the centerpieces or, or things like that. But um, how much have you had uh, experience with getting things like the sound system underwritten? Because that's something that we talk about a lot, right? Finding right. sponsors who underwrite the cost of whether it's an auction item, right. like one of our consignment travel packages, or the uh, the sound system, Right. Right. Yeah, we, we canceled and tried to try to get a sponsor and that, you know, try to, then that way, you, you know, the sponsor gets to be a big deal, that kind of thing. So, yeah, no, those are, that's absolutely spot on to be able to do that kind of stuff. I love it. I love it. Uh, one thing that kind of came to my mind, too, as you guys were speaking about, you know, especially having an AV operator on the board um, and uh, managing the whole sound system, um, what about transitions? I know that they're very important. Um, you know, it's not just about, you know, handing mics off to, to one you know, person to the other, but in between sections, playing music, that sort of thing. Uh, is that something you have experience with? Um, as, as far as like... Um like during live auction lots, playing music in between the, the, the live auction lots? Or sure, sure, I've been to several events. Like for the program. Yeah, I mean, either one, right? I've been to several events where, you know, as soon as somebody wins a, an item, you know, the round <laughs> of applause, and then you play, you know, uh, get up and shout type of music, you know, or, or Bruno Mars uh, 24K Magic type of music, uh, getting people pumped. Right. Is that, you know, is that an important part of having a good sound system? It is. It can be. You know, there's two different schools of thought on that. Sometimes some auctioneers find it distracting. Other auctioneers, you know, they love it because it hypes the crowd up. It really depends on the energy of the room. If my energy is already, like, just over the top, then generally I try to, you know, because the last thing I want is to kind of lose control of them, where it just becomes just this madhouse kind of party where everyone's just, like, screaming, and and it's hard to kind of bring them back because ultimately the bottom line is there is you're there to make – you there to raise funds and you want to make money for the client. You want to make sure that, you know, they exceed their expectations kind of thing. And it's that fine line with the crowd to where they're out of control, but they're just out of control enough where you, you, you still got them engaged. Do you know what I mean? 
All right, Keith, here's a great question for you, and I'll be really uh, interested to hear what your response is because each and every uh, professional fundraising auctioneer has his or her own techniques for getting a crowd back under control. And we've all had that situation happen where where the table chatter gets away on us and uh, the crowd, right. you know, we lose their attention or their ten- for whatever reason. Most of the time it is because there's bad sound, and if they can't hear you, uh, they're not going to pay attention. So how, what are your techniques and strategies? strategies for regaining control of an audience? Oh my gosh, there's so many. I mean, sometimes you get real quiet, sometimes you get real loud, sometimes you, you know, you can do, uh, you know, special games to kind of, kind of reel them back in, or, you know, you can have someone else get up there and, you know, and say a few words or, or you know, try to quiet them down. There's, there's a myriad of, of different ways that, I mean, I, I know for me, sometimes I'll just kind of get a little, a little quieter, kind of soften my voice a little bit, then people kind of have to be quiet to be able to hear what's going on because they don't want to miss anything. Yeah. Um, I, I liked what you said about uh, having a little game. Uh, one of the techniques I've used from time to time with great effect has been having a, an, an on-the-spot heads-or-tails raffle. So the crowd's out of control, and you can have them all stand up, and we've seen how this works. But if anybody's listening doesn't know what a heads-and-tails raffle is, uh, you have uh, people stand up. They put their hands on their head if they want to be heads. They put their hand on the right. rear end if they want to be a tail. Then you flip a coin. And, um, you know, you start eliminating people. So if your hand is on your head and the coin flips, it's a tail. Well, all the people with their hands on their heads have to sit down. And you just what you do is you just shift the focus of the crowd, you know, in, 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 in an instant now. And you break up that table chatter. Now you can regain control. And you have some little prize you can give them. It can be a maybe a bottle of wine if that's legal in your jurisdiction or something fun like that. But uh, anyway, any other uh, strategies for uh, regaining control of an audience? Yeah, like I said, though, I mean, those are those are some great ideas. You know, the the game playing stuff, and then of course, you know, you you you, you can get quiet, or you you can bring up, hey, ladies and gentlemen, who wants to win, whatever. Or you know, now we're going to hear from you know someone that you know kind of who who may be important, but people want to kind of clue into that kind of thing and listen on that end. Yeah, have you ever used pepper spray? <laughs> no, but I've been tempted. Yeah, I only did once, and it didn't go that well. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it wouldn't. I uh, got another question for you here, Keith. Um, what What would you recommend? Is there kind of a, a, a ratio in terms of number of speakers per number of guests uh, that you would recommend? You know, absolutely. I, I Powered think speakers. That, I, I think that. Yeah, and, and just I don't know if we covered this. Sorry, to cut you off there. Uh, did we talk about you know? It needs to be those stand-up speakers that are on stands that are powered and that are you know have some height to them, right? Those are the ones that those those standalone right. speakers. You know, and here comes and here comes the the myriad of you know like you know we all got different opinions. Um, based on my thirty years of experience, you know the the big the big push now is you know there's you know Bose makes those uh, line array kind of compact system. You got JBL with them, EV just came out with a really great system that really kind of blows the rest out of the water with their Evolve EV550s. They're all that similar pylon-looking little subwoofer thing, which which are great. Uh, and coming from a musical background, um, you know, from you know from DJ and entertainment and doing these you know these bigger venues when I used to host events and that kind of thing, those are great. Um, the problem is is that sometimes they can't really when you've really got to push a lot of sound. Um, and, and, and when I say volume, I don't mean like um, volume and like you know intensity, but you've got to fill a big space. Sometimes those those can fall short. So um, 
you know, I'm, I've always been a big believer in, you know, of course, the, uh, you want to use powered speakers because, you know, running line from an amplifier to, you know, a 20,000 square foot ballroom just isn't, you know, it's, it's just not going to work. They just don't do that. Um, so you, you run, uh, we always run the powered speakers. Uh, and my recommendation is always to have a minimum of four. You've got two in front and two in back, so you're balancing the sound out in the middle. So, but on the bigger venues, we do two in the front, two on the side, and two in the back. I mean, you run the wireless speakers. So and I, I've always put them up on, you know, the tripods with, uh, with the, the nice draping over them and that kind of thing. And you really, they become invisible. They kind of blend in. But that, that's what we always recommend for, for good sound for, for the clients, for the end result, to get what they want. So it sounds like, um, and when you say power speakers, you are talking to, for those who don't know anything about sound, right? You want the, the amplifier contained within the speaker itself, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a difference. There's passive speakers which require a separate amplifier. And there's, you know, powered speakers, which they're called because they're active. Or they could call them powered or active speakers. But yes, the amplifier is on. Sorry if I didn't make that clear before. The amplifier is, okay. is on board. Right. And this technology came about maybe maybe 15, maybe 15 years ago, where, you know, JBL came out with a, the powered line of speakers. And they were just really bulky and heavy. And nowadays, they're just, they are so nice and so neat and so lightweight. And it's all the digital amplifiers now where it, they're just, they're, it, it's like night and day from what they used to be, and they're just—they're really great, and they're really clean. I love it. And and as far as uh, you know, the difference between a big venue and a, a maybe a medium venue, those you know, difference between four speakers and six speakers—is there kind of a guest count that you would recommend where that cutoff is? Great. Well, there you know there is, and plus you, you have to look at you know what's what's the room, what's it made of? Is it like a, a lot of you know a lot of hotels they have carpeting and they've got a lot of sound baffling in the room, so you don't need to do as much with the sound because you're going to have good acoustics to begin with. Um, and other rooms are like, you know, you've got the, you know, the cement floors and the cement walls and the really, really high cathedral ceilings where you've got to compensate for that. So you're going to have to, you know, you have to bring, you know, a, a good balance of sound, you know, subwoofers and all that kind of stuff just to, so the sound doesn't wash out over that many people. Plus, you know, if you've got a thousand to, you know, 1500 people, that's, that's a big crowd. Then you're talking about, you know, where you see those speakers where they call them flying speakers, where they're up above the stage and they're way up there and they're, they're mounted on the ceiling and they kind of have that semicircle array where they're kind of firing down on people. So it, it, it really depends upon, you know, the size of the crowd, what the acoustics are in the room, and that's why it's always good. What I always try to do is, unless I know the venue, and, I, and I'm lucky because after having worked in the industry I was in for 30 years, I've already been to a lot of these places where they hold their, you know, their gables or the fundraisers. So I, already, I already know the room because I've already played there before. So I, I, I'm already going to know how to, how to do the sound for that particular room. And, but if you haven't been there before, it's always good. I always try to do a site visit anyway and go over to the client. Well, hey, you should put a speaker here and how about one there? And you should probably have your soundboard over here and, you know, maybe another speaker there. And if you need a subwoofer, you should probably put that over here because, you know, this, the low end on the directional, so it's not going to matter where it is. But you're going to want that good balance of sound. All, all great stuff, Keith. And I, you know, I, 
knowing our audience here, and it's going to be a lot of you know event planners, development directors, executive directors, um, even committee members, right? Uh, this, this could all be a little bit overwhelming, it's, uh, especially if they don't know anything about sound and, and how it works. What would you recommend are kind of the top three things they should look for both in a venue um, and then uh, in an AV company um, before before they sign on with them? From a, well, from I an think acoustics. the person... Yeah, I think that you said it right there. I think acoustics. I think you know, a lot of people they want to have the event in these really nice places that are great for ambiance, but they're horrible for sound. So I think the most important thing is to do a site visit unless you know the place to check it out to to be able to kind of help them make that recommendation. And if it's going to be a real high end function with a lot of people and they're going to invest in a professional AD company, the AD company will go out there and they'll do a site visit and they'll do, you know, a decibel reading. They'll be able to tell by the room what's going to be needed um, for, for that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I totally forgot the second part of your question. I'm sorry. No, no, that you you kind of answered it. But I mean, as far as it sounds like a good AV company, right, is going to be able to do, to come out prior to the event happening, or even prior to even signing on with them, and and make some recommendations as far as what the sort of service that they're going to provide. They're not they're not going to just sign up uh, without ever looking at the venue. Right. Yeah. They're, they're- and, and a lot of a lot of the you know the veteran AV companies they barely know the area. You, you know, it, it, they've been around the area long enough. So they're going to know whatever room you're going to be in. They're going to be able to make recommendations based upon that. You know, whether it's a hotel ballroom or it's going to be you know a winery somewhere. A lot of places now they're just kind of doing the uh, the big trend here is well I said big trend but I mean what I've experienced is they have inside outside where cocktails will be outside in this beautiful kind of garden area and then the main live auction and dinner and that kind of thing is going to be inside. So you've got that dynamic to deal with. Okay, how do you get, how do you pump sound out to people out in, you know, the, 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 the garden cocktail area and yet have a good balance when they walk into to the main room. So those, those, those are things to consider as well. So it's, it's, it's good to know the venue. And like I said, a good sound company is going to know the particular acoustics of that particular venue to make recommendations based upon that. Yeah, 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 a couple of points here, and uh, you've you've touched on it, uh, Keith. Is that the venues are going to be able to recommend an AV company? The AV company, in turn, is going to know what questions to ask the client, ask you, the client, um, so they know how to put the uh, proper system together for you. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Keith, before we cut you loose here, uh, with your background as a DJ, and I know we kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier in the uh, interview, but I want to circle back here and talk about your opinion on the importance of having background music uh, how important is it for uh, you know when the doors open you've got the cocktail reception you want to build up energy in the room set the right tone how important is it to have the background music during the dinner and it surprises me how often this is overlooked by event organizers and uh, they've invested in a sound system nobody thought to bring along uh, an iPod or whatever with a playlist on it and set some ambience what are your thoughts on it Right. You know, it's funny. I just did an event in Beverly Hills uh, literally like three days ago. And it's, this question was no more self-evident than that one. Uh, and I, in that particular one, I was the DJ for the event because they wanted to bring in a professional that kind of knew, you know, kind of knew what they're doing. They needed someone with their background and experience. So 
I mean, I, I can't stress enough how important it is because you want to set that mood. You want to set that tone. You want to look at the demographic of people you have. Who's going to be there? Who's who? And it's always kind of good, I mean, if, if you have the time, the event planners, if you've got, like, really big donors, some big heavy hitters coming in, hey, what's, what's their favorite band? You know, the, the one guy um, was a big, uh, the manager of Rod Stewart was there. And obviously, we're going to play some Rod Stewart for the guy because he's his manager and he loves Rod Stewart or else he wouldn't manage him. He loves Rod Stewart and Bette Midler. Those are great things to know as the DJ or as the music. Put those in your playlist and play that kind of stuff and try to appeal to, you know, the wide demographic of people you got there. I don't want to pump, you know, a bunch of Justin Bieber all night long when I've got, uh-huh. you know, a, a, you know a, a crowd of, you know, 50, 60, 70-year-olds that are there and you've got that old money there. Well... <laughs> They're not going to. They're going to want Motown. They're going to want classics. They're going to want that kind of stuff because that's what their generation is. That's what they like. That's what they tap their toes to, and that's what gets them in a good, fun mood. So I think it's music is so critical, especially the music as they're as they're first walking in. You want to be able to play a wide variety of it because if there's going to be dancing later, because if all I'm playing in the beginning is top forty, then it's going to be really tough for me to introduce you know, some rock and roll, some stones or some, or whatever it's going to be later on in the night, because I haven't, I haven't set their expectation for it, if that makes sense. So I, to me, it's like the music can be very, very vital. And there's other times where like, you know, during fun to need, obviously, and other, other events that are a little more subdued where sometimes they don't want that. But I think music always has a place in it because it, it'll, it, it sets the tone and it, it gets people the right frame of mind because music is kind of a universal language. It kind of talks to everybody. I love it. I love it. And, and on this note um, of music, can you talk a little bit about uh, what, what your strategy is if, if there's a band who might have its own sound system that they're bringing, or do you coordinate with the band um, to have both your sound systems? What usually happens there? Oh, man, if I had a nickel. Um, <laughs> usually, I'm, I'm a, I, I'm, I, I always bring my own microphone. That's one thing I always bring. I have a, a, a sure... I use, uh, I'm partial to Sure. There's, I mean, the two of the, probably the best names, the only names that I, I would use or rely on would be Sure or Sennheiser. Those are probably the two most respected names. I mean, the Oscars use Sure. I mean, the Emmys use Sennheiser. The Grammys use, I mean, those are the two names. I mean, if they rely on it, and for 30 years, I've never had a Sure microphone go down on me. So you said it's the, the brand I'm names always, are Sure and, and Van Hauser? No, Sennheiser. Uh, Sennheiser. Sennheiser. Yeah. Sennheiser. Sennheiser. Uh, S-E-N-N-H-E-I-S-E-R. Right. And it's personal preference. And we touched on this at the BAS. I was on the sound panel at the, the BAS in, BAS in Cancun, and we touched on it. I mean, you don't, I mean, honestly, you don't have to go out there and get, a lot of these guys think they've got to have, they, they get too buried in the specs of equipment, and they don't realize that for what we do, we, you know, we really don't need that, I mean, the super top, you know, we're not, you know, the Rolling Stones or Madonna or Springsteen. We're not going to need those, you know, you know, there's, you know, there's $5,000 microphone systems out there. We, don't, we just don't need that for what we do. But, you know, a, a good mid-range system for microphones is really all you're going to need. And if you have a good AV company, they're going to provide that for you anyway. And they're going to EQ you and you're going to sound like a million bucks. So I, I think that's most important. I know I kind of, I kind of got off on a on tangent with your question there, but um, when I go into it with a band, um, you know, I, I provide my own microphone obviously because I know my microphone. But sometimes the clients are just like, no, we don't do sound. You know, you know how they are. They, 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 they I do a lot of schools. I love schools because I'm, I'm a single dad of a, of a school going daughter, and I was on a parent, I was a parents club president, so schools have are, are near and dear to me. 
but I run into that a lot with the schools that I do. No, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to spend, you know, three, four thousand dollars on, you know, a professional sound company, blah, blah, blah. Just use the band. So then I, then my work's cut out for me to work with the band. And a lot of times I'll supplement their system with gear that I've got, like wireless speakers or what have you, to be able to balance that out. Because a lot of times bands, they got the band, they're front heavy, they're over in the corner or they're off on the side, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it just, you've got that wall of sound there that's killing everyone in front, but no one in back can hear anything because of the noise level. So what I usually try to do is I'll, you know, I'll work with the band and, you know, okay, I'll tell you what, you don't want to spend this, but, you know, here's how much we, we, we've got to have two other speakers here. It's just that's the way it's got to be because we want to balance that sound. So it, it's a nominal additional cost versus having a full-on sound production company come in and do that for them. So we're able to kind of still get what we want, but then, you know, help, help the client out as well with, the, with that route. All right, Keith. Well, this has been excellent information for our listeners on this uh, episode of Events with Benefits. Let's just summarize here, and and, uh, I'll kick that off. Uh, Number one, good quality sound is paramount. Uh, It can't be an oversight. It's uh, it's always an investment, never a cost. You can uh, have it underwritten. You can find a sponsor to uh, pay to get a good AV company in. Uh, What would you add to that, Keith? Yeah, no, and uh, you know, and don't don't get uh, you know let rely on someone else because I mean, again, you know, if, if I told you that if you gave me two thousand dollars now and in the week after you give you four grand, that'd be a good investment, wouldn't it? I mean, people do that as much as the day is long, and that's kind of how I approach the the sound issue. It's like you know what, the money you make right now is going to bring it back to you double or even triple sometimes because that's the difference good sound can make. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, uh, Keith, you have written an excellent white paper, uh, uh, and it is on uh, audio and video production. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but we we always ask our guests uh, to the end of every episode if they have a special offer that they would extend our listeners. Any chance you would consider sharing that uh, white paper? I went through it, and I thought it was absolutely excellent, my friend. I give you kudos on it. Yeah, no, I would, I would more than happy to. Um, you know, and again, the, the, the paper it gets a lot more technical because, I, and I tried to give broad strokes here in talking to you, but in, in the in the paper, I go into different speakers, different speaker design, different speaker cabinets, active versus passive, room acoustics, what you need to have, look for in the room to need, what kind of microphones, and it gets it's a lot more detailed. And the most important thing, I know, for people like me, where with my background, I have I have entire you know huge you know, music DJ systems. And so we're able to monetize that and offer that to our clients as well. So we provide sound, uh, you know, where maybe they don't want to invest in, you know, a professional sound company. And I'm able to to offer that to clients as well. So for, I know a lot of auctioneers like, well, we want to offer sound, we just don't know how. And the guide kind of will go into, okay, well, how do you monetize? How do you put sound packages together for your clients? And what does that look like? So yeah, I'm more than happy to share Whatever anyone wants to know, you can call me or email me and pick my brain. I'm happy to be of service. That's great, Keith. And we're going to make that available in the show notes. Uh, Absolutely. Um, Just want to switch gears real quick before we let you go. I thought I'd get your thoughts on... um, Ian, it's lunchtime. We have to go. (laughs) I know Danny's hungry. He's been talking about it for the last hour and a half. Um, So I wanted to ask, get your thoughts real quick on video. Um, I know that's a whole other component of putting on a production. um, But as far as, you know intermixing sound with um, the video and different components of the production itself? Is there, uh, you know, programs that you use or do you just kind of queue up a a YouTube video and press play when the time comes? 
Well, I, I don't know specifically what you're referring to. I, I think video is huge right now. I, I think um, there's two different aspects of video. Uh, at the, a lot of events I do, or some that are really bigger, they'll have you know an HD camera focused on because you've got 300 people out there, and people in the back either can't, they can't see the speaker, and hopefully if, they, if they've got good balanced sound all around, they can hear them, but they really can't see them, so they, they you know they they project the the speaker up on those big you know those big theater screens so you can see and hear and everything's all cool like that. So, but a lot of the video trend I'm seeing now are the really neat fun to need videos, where instead of having you know the board of you know the the director of the board or you know the CEO or whatever come up and, and kind of make that initial plea before I take the stage or their auctioneer takes the stage, they have a video that actually um, shows, like we did one for an elementary school that, you know, showed, showed the need. These kids, they needed um, funding for new bathrooms. That The bathrooms, you know, last time they were updated was like, you know, 1963. And it was able to, you know, the interview, they just, it's really cool. You can, there's lots of video companies out there that do that, but I've seen those funding videos make a huge impact and they put them on these huge screens and people are moved by them. And I, I think they're really powerful. You bet. As far as production, though, I mean, as far as putting it together with with the sound, I mean, is it uh, just a matter of plugging in a laptop and then kind of queuing it up? Is there kind of any recommendations you have as far as incorporating video into the overall event? It can be, yeah, and basically that that's what it is. I mean, you know, it depends upon the how the file was rendered. If it's a QuickTime file or a movie file or whatever it's going to be, and all you got to do is. You click it on a laptop, and the laptop goes to the, goes to the projector. There's new projectors now, but you just plug in a, a little thumb drive, and off it goes. So, I mean, it really depends upon, you know, the technology you're going to use. But um, <clears throat> for the most part, yeah, the, and, and the, that's why having a great sound, you know, that's why you, you don't want to volunteer for the board, you know, waiting for your cue to hit play on the video because, okay, hit it now, hit it now, and you wink, wink, okay, come on, come on, now, now, now. You know, that's why you want the professional AV company sitting back there. They've got the soundboard, and you've got your script all laid out and you've got your run of show program so these guys know exactly when to push that button for maximum impact because man when it when the show's timed right it's that's the most emotional impact that's ever going to have all right well thank you very much keith uh, it's been just a pleasure talking to you my friend uh, here today and you brought uh, you shed some light on a on a subject that we've been very anxious to uh, dive into here on events with benefits and that's the importance of having uh, good quality sound uh, we talked uh, video production here and and just the importance of production for your events so thanks for sharing your expertise with us and where can people reach out to you if they want to continue the conversation or if they have uh, questions they'd like to direct your way well, my email is Keith at foxfundraising.com, uh, or my, you know, my telephone number is 800-828-9599. All right. We'll put that information in the show notes as well, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you down the road. I appreciate it, Danny. Thanks for your time, man. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me, guys. All right, man. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the show this week. For show notes, special offers, or to listen to previous episodes, you can visit us at eventswithbenefits.com. Please also consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and write us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at hosts at eventswithbenefits.com. We'll see you next time. <music>